What does it take to get you out of bed in the morning? What's it take? What kinds of things have been done to you to try to get you out of bed in the morning to wake you up? How many of you have ever moved your alarm clock across the room so maybe you will wake up and just not? No one? No one's done that? I have sometimes done that and put things in my way, so it kind of like trips me when I'm getting there. You know, it's all kinds of things we do to wake up, and this morning as we resume our Series 7, Hear What Christ Is Saying to You, Part 6, Waking Up, we're going to find that this church of Sardis is a sleeping church. And uh, that's not to put them down, but they are sleeping. And you, Jesus uses the idea of waking up, the phrase wake up at least twice in the six verses we're going to talk about. So we're looking at a letter written to six churches and beyond. And uh, John wrote this as Jesus dictated these letters to him. So it's just like a letter. They received a letter, each of these churches, and uh, it just shared what was going on. And uh, what he thought, what he observed, and John, being in his early 90s, at the end of his life, thought that all the other disciples had been martyred by this time. He's on a prison island. You can see this uh, in Pat- Patmos, and you can see the seven churches, and it kind of makes a little circuit around that like a horseshoe. And Jesus sends these warning letters, and there is so much for us to learn today from each one of these Taking it a little closer, you can see the seven letters, and we'll look at Sardis this morning. And really, this is almost like uh, that TV series, What About Undercover Boss? Uh, We've shown some clips from that. We're not going to do that this morning. But the idea of these bosses going undercover, being all around their place of employment, these big-time CEOs trying to figure out what's been going on in their franchises or whatever it is. And then at the end, they're surprised. And usually they find some people that just really aren't pulling their weight, aren't representing the company well. And then usually they find someone who is just functioning outstandingly and just uh, uh, is giving it all. And usually that undercover boss rewards that person. And this is really what's going on in all these churches. And uh, we go, wow, isn't that kind of cool? But uh, what would we do if Jesus was undercover boss today? Because in essence, we don't really just say this, but he is the boss, the good shepherd, the primary shepherd, the pastor of his church. And uh, it's not my church. It's not the leadership team church. If you've been coming here for close to 50 years, because that's how long this church has been here, 50 plus. Uh, It's not your church. If you helped start it, if you've done this, done that, it is Jesus's church. And he is the undercover boss. And that makes me a little nervous because he hears what's going on. He hears what's talked about in the parking lot, what's said here and there. And, And I'm guessing that he sometimes follows us home. Oh, no, he's undercover boss in our houses. And he's there, and it's not to pick on us, it's not to hurt us, it is to speak into our lives so that we grow and change and experience all he has for us to experience in this chapter of life while we're living on the planet of Earth. And a part of that is to prepare prepare us for the future. So Sardis was an interesting church. Uh, They sat on a 1,500 feet high bluff. Uh, They were... um, 
uh, felt invincible. Uh, there was really only way up, one way up there until someone discovered uh, that uh, they were watching an invading army. It happened twice. They were watching what was going on, and they saw somebody scurry up one of the rock cliffs, and he kind of had a secret way to get up there, and he got up there, and then those invading armies said, Aha! We're going to invade. And they did it twice, two different times, and they caught Sardis by surprise. So they were sleeping literally while they were being invaded. And so Jesus is using that. He knows his audience well. He knows his people well. He knows his church well. And he says this, and they get that. They realize, wow, we were sleeping. We felt confident. The city felt confident. And we lost the city as a church who we feel a little overconfident. Sardis was very wealthy. There was a lot of minerals. They're actually the ones that developed coins. So if you have some coins in your pocket today, I don't really like coins anymore. But if you have them, uh, my dad will stop and pick up a penny, and it's kind of embarrassing. But anyway, you know, every coin. And then he says, that's why you don't have any money, Dave, because you don't, you know, so touche. But, uh, you know, they, they were very small, which could totally amaze me. That's the size of the initial coins. And this is them blown up a little bit. So Jesus writes the church of Sardis out of love. And he's concerned that if they don't wake up, they're going to lose it. They're going to lose their influence. They're going to lose their presence. And he values their presence. And so he likens them to uh, seven candlesticks, which we have going over here. And he all along says, if you don't get your act together, if you don't move in this direction. Uh, some of the churches he commends, but a lot of them, this Sardis church is the one that gets hit the hardest. Uh, says, if you don't change, the candle light's going out. And so let's uh, take a look at uh, chapter 3 of Revelation. And uh, we'll just walk through um, in your study guides, message listening guides. You have all these verses, for the most part, printed out. I use a number of translations. Uh, personally, I look at different translations as tools. You've got to be really observant of what you're using. And if it's a, it's a, a good translation, then it, it's good to use. Some of the phrasing, if you know the original languages, can go in a lot of ways and have a little bit of nuance this way and that way. So I find it helpful to check them out and see uh, what, which one says what. Like you'll see when we get to the word victorious, uh, I chose the word the where they use the word overcomer, and uh, in our singing we have the word victorious, being a victor. Uh, Jesus is a victor. We have victory in Jesus, but also there's the idea of being an overcomer. So, let's start in verse one. While they while the following to write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Sardis, for these are the words of the one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know all you do, and I know that you have a reputation for being really alive. That's awesome. That's fantastic. But then he says, but you're actually dead. There's a gap. You present alive, but you're actually dead. You know, in the United States, uh, around 2019, and it's changed a little bit through COVID, that uh, the statistics were 4,500 churches closed their doors a year. And some of us can drive around this area and see that actually happening right now. 
the church in the United States, North America, is not doing well. Their candles are going out. Some of it's because they've uh, compromised and uh, gotten off and gotten off on distractions, maybe too many social issues, whatever it is, and um, they're just they're just they're dying. Some of them is because uh, they don't adjust, not to not to change the message, but to change the message they read. They're not looking at that, and they stay the same. And some churches you can walk into, and some of us are reassured by this, and it, it feels good. You can walk into a church, and it's like it was 50 years ago. It's exactly the same, and it's down to just a few people. Sometimes a, a parent will come up after the service and say, I'm sorry, my baby is crying or giggling or doing stuff. And I'm like, don't be sorry. We are absolutely thankful to have children in our church. And if one's in the sanctuary, auditorium, one out there and make it a little noise, thank you. Thank you, thank you, because there are churches, even in our area, that would die to have one or two little children. And as we saw, we've got more on the way. That is a great, wonderful thing. Uh, I just, and I don't, I may get myself into trouble. I took, I did a little search on closed churches, and there was a whole listing up in the Auburn area, so I just took pictures of them. I, I don't know any of these churches. Some of you may be, that was the church I grew up in. I don't know. There's no agenda. I just picked them, and because uh, it just, it just breaks my heart. So here's one church, some of you may recognize, gone, according to this. These were churches for sale. There, were, there was 15 or 20 of them. I mean, look at that beautiful auditorium. I don't know if this is the same church, but uh, again, just very sad. Uh, churches look alive, but are actually dead. Uh, they tell us that 80% of all churches in North America are plateaued or declining in number. Thankful to be a church, part of a church that that's not the case. But it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. Fears makes me very nervous when, uh, you know, we start to settle in and say things are going okay. We can kind of just move along like we've been moving on. No, we need to keep looking outside these four walls, figuring out what connects our community outside while growing our community inside. This is, this is very sad news to see. Just uh, churches closing all over the place. More churches are closing than opening. There are churches that are opening, and thank God there's churches. And no church is guaranteed forever. You drive around this community, you can find some of those buildings that used to be churches. I don't think this church was from Auburn, but I, I thought it was kind of ironic, uh, the picture of this church. They're obviously doing some work, and it doesn't look like it's a functioning church, but on the doors you read, stay out, stay out. <laughs> I don't know what that means. There's a guy working there, but uh, anyway, you get the idea. So be thankful. We're part of a church that's growing, but be also very mindful that uh, you'll see we don't want to ever become a sleeping church. We never want to be on top of that 1,500-foot plateau and thinking we're all set and we're good and we're wealthy and blah, 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 and all of a sudden we're going out. The candle is leaving. Wake up, he says. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of God. And doesn't that really boil it down in the sight of God. It doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. 
It's in the sight of God. Right? We look at our life, we look at our church, we look at our being in the sight of God. Granted, we do have some people in our lives that can speak in and encourage and help us to take inventory of our lives, but the bottom line is the sight of God. And that sometimes makes me nervous because I know God cuts through all the excuses, all the baloney, and knows what's really going on. Takes me where I'm at, but wants me to take me where I could be. We talked a little bit about that last week when we wrapped up the other series. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will know at what you won't know at what time I will come. Again, a reminder of the invasion of Sardis. They had no idea what was going on. They were fast asleep, tucked in their bed, air conditioning was going. Just, it was just beautiful, and all of a sudden, they were invaded. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. The idea that there's always a remnant, there's always a few. Uh, sometimes I love hearing about people that are really trying to stick with the church and see if they can help turn it around, and it's hard, and they do that. And that, again, is between them and God, when the, how that all unfolds. They walked with me dressed in white, purity, for they are worthy the one who overcomes, the one who is victorious, the one who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white, transferring the purity of Christ into our lives because none of us are white with pure without Christ uh, overshadowing us. I will never blot out their name of the persons from the book of life, but will acknowledge their name before my Father and his angels. Sometimes we look at that and we go, oh, wait a minute, does that mean I can be taken out of the book of life? No, the idea of overcomers, if you really have placed your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, you are secure, and that will show up in the way you live. Other passages talk about fruit of our lives. If you said, I'm a Christ follower, but there's no fruit, and I can't, I can't necessarily figure that out, if there's no fruit in your life, I would at least stop and say, as have I placed my trust in Christ? Because I should be producing some kind of fruit in my life. Hard question. But the alternative is worse. Then Jesus wraps things up with, everyone who hears this should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. So, Waking up. You and I are either waking up to a dream or a nightmare. And it can be a dream or a nightmare. This week I heard of a flight, a uh, big flight. They were flying, I, all the details, but they just happened this week. They were flying someplace, and the, both pilots fell asleep. And they actually called them on the headset. I don't know if they didn't have them on or whatever. No response. They flew past the runway or past the airport, and it wasn't until the autopilot kicked off and all the alarms started going off that they woke up. And then they landed the plane. And I would imagine they're not flying anymore, but I don't know. Nightmare or a dream? Waking up. Paul writes to the Ephesians, this is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. 
be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Someone say that phrase, the days are evil, refers to the world we live in. Some would refer to the days are evil, that they're short, that God never had it intended to have life and death, but because of the fall and all that broken, so the days are evil. They get shorter and shorter, so use them more wisely. Both interpretations of that can be applied to our lives. So we need to be careful how we live, not that we're going to lose our salvation, lose our relationship with God. You and I can't earn it. We can't be good enough, so we can't be bad enough to, in a sense, unearn it. But if there's no fruit in our life, we have to at least ask ourselves, where is our relationship with God? It should be changing my heart and changing eventually the actions on the outside. And that should be a continuing process. So I came across an outline that I really liked and the idea of looking at this passage. I'd like to break it down into three prayers that you and I ought to pray if we want to wake up in a sense dreaming, in a sense good, this is wonderful, not wake up to a nightmare. Three prayers that we should ought to be praying. Uh, first of all is, Lord, help me to see the gaps in my life. What is looking alive on the outside, but is dead on the inside. Where are the gaps? Where are the gaps in your life? Where are the gaps in my life? Where are the gaps that, that people on the outside would never see? Oh, Dave, he's alive, he's a nice guy, blah, blah, blah. But it is dying on the inside. We all have seasons, yes, but where are we moving? So I want to pray I want to pray, Lord, help me to see the gaps. This is a risky, gutsy kind of prayer because I absolutely believe that Jesus will answer this prayer and he will show you the gaps in your life. I'm thankful that he doesn't like dump a truckload of gaps on you in my life when I ask this prayer, but he gives me enough that I can navigate. Yes, it may feel overwhelming, but he will show us where the gaps are. For there are these words of the one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Seven stars being the idea of the messenger. Seven spirits of God are not seven spirits. Basically, it's seven uh, manifestations, seven ways that the Holy Spirit works in our life. Um, we can see this um, from an Older Testament passage. We'll see that in just a second. But again, this whole idea that uh, Jesus uh, holds these seven spirits, which is the Holy Spirit in our life. In Isaiah 11:2, we read this, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom, of understanding, the spirit of counsel, of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is respect. God is not our buddy. Yes, he's our friend. We used to sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. Absolutely true. But he is God Almighty. We've shown those imagery as we've gone through this series of Jesus with little children, Bible story. Oh, isn't that sweet? Then we see Jesus as the King of kings, the Lord of lords, riding in on a horse with a sword. And we go, whoa, that Jesus, I get down on my knees when I see. The other Jesus, I want to climb up in his lap. He's not one or the other. He's both. So there ought to be a little respect, a lot of little fear 
And so we understand that the Spirit has all of this in his life. If you need to close the gap, see the gap, he will help us. He'll give us the wisdom, the understanding, the counsel, the might to move in our lives, the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The big question we have to ask is, you possess the Holy Spirit, but does he possess you? If you've placed your trust in Christ, God joins himself to us through the person of the Holy Spirit. And at first that seems a little odd, but he indwells you. He, he amplifies your conscience, if you will. And he speaks to your heart. Yesterday I was coming in for a service, and I, I tell you this, I don't know why the Lord always previously gave me this lesson, but I was walking in, and no one really was out front, no one was around, this was yesterday, and uh, I saw a wrapper on the ground. Oh, wrapper on the ground. I hope they don't mow that up into a million pieces. <laughs> All of a sudden, boom, no, 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 no. You need to go pick up that wrapper and look kind of close. So if you saw me out front, I would have looked like a little bit of a pansy or something. I'm carrying the wrapper like this, you know, because I didn't want to get any of the goop that was dripping out of it, and I brought it in and threw it away. That was all Holy Spirit. That wasn't Dave Spencer. And, and I tell you, in the split second, I said, look, I hope someone dries one of these pieces around here. Maybe someone, oh, isn't that nice? Dave's picking up scraps. And I'm going, but the way he's carrying it, I, you know, anyway. Question is, if you're a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit is in you. He, you possess him. But does he possess you? In the Older Testament, we read that the Holy Spirit came on people and then came off. Newer Testament, he indwells you. But Judges and Samson makes me shake in my boots when I think of the role of the Holy Spirit, the influence of the Holy Spirit in my life. And Samson, he was on, but still, we read this. Samson rode up, and you, you can, woke up, and you can uh, take a look at this in Judges, woke up and thought, I will escape as I did before and free myself. But Samson did not know what the Lord had often do we kind of live externally but not internally we have a lot of good spiritual experiences in the past and so we kind of live on that manna you know old testament the manna was on good for a day normally manna got yucky so we live on the manna that god has re revealed to us but it's old manna and we think we can kind of coast through live on last year's experience or 10 years experience and then all of a sudden we get to a new crossroads in our life. And we've got a lot of spiritual wisdom. We've got a lot of life wisdom. But it's not empowered by the Spirit because he's gotten quiet. And it wasn't because he was quiet to start with. We asked him to be quiet by asking. So if you ask him to lead where the gap is in your life and then you ignore it, he will go, okay. Do what you want. See how that works out for you. And any of us who have been Christ followers for a little while have actually played around with that. At least a few times in history. He leads us to do something. Leads us to pick up a piece of trash. And we just keep going. But normally it's much more complicated. And it's called fuller ramifications. 
don't want to be stamped by. I don't want to walk into a situation thinking I am ready to go. I've got uh, wisdom, understanding, a little bit of arrogance, a little bit of okay, and then find that what I'm basing my decision-making process on is Dave Spencer alone. It's dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. So we've got the Spirit to help us with the gaps. You also see Jesus holds the seven stars, and that's the messengers. So hopefully these messengers are empowered by the Spirit. The Word is empowered by the Spirit. Word by itself doesn't go anywhere. I just I love the fact we have a team that gets together at 9 o'clock and prays for this service and the ministries of the church. If you have any inclination, I'm not going to talk about this a lot, so you're just going to decide. If, if you want to pray for the church together with another group of people, 9 a.m. is awesome. You're in that green room right out by the front entryway. Join them at 9 a.m. We'd love to have you. I'm not going to twist your arm. Some of you pray for us online. You're just praying. I appreciate those are text messages. Thank you for that. But we want uh, the message to be energized by the Holy Spirit. If it's just me being clever or me being clever, nothing as significant happens. We just didn't get it. We need God's message heard through God's Spirit. My aunt likes to tell this story, my sister's, my mom's sister, about how when she was taking a uh, Bible literary uh, class at the University of Maryland way back in the last century, way back, hey, Aunt Pat, anyway, um, she was taking this uh, class and she had someone as a roommate who was extremely smart, she felt much, just brilliant, but when it came to understanding these passages that they were studying for this biblical literary class, which was just a secular class studying another work of writing, etc. She had insights that her roommate didn't have. My Aunt Pat said that's because of the Holy Spirit. He was teaching me as I was reading these passages. This wasn't just an academic exercise. He was opening his word before my very eyes, and my roommate didn't have it. So again, there's another red flag. If you can read the scriptures constantly, it never speaks to your heart. Even like the famous ones, like seek the Lord and lean on it. That guy never speaks to your heart. You go, where is God's spirit? Have I put him in a box in my life? Have I, in a sense, let him out? Am I embracing his role in my life? But we need God's message to be heard through God's spirit. And so we see this prayer about show me the gaps. I know all you do, and I know that you have a reputation for being really alive, but you're actually dead. As a church, we're living on borrowed time, if that's the case for us. Please, please, please be growing in your faith. Be pursuing that. Think of the other things you pursue in life. Pursue whatever they may be. You've got something on your mind, and you you get it. You know, I see some of you guys learning how to like cook on all these. You know, do these do this uh, like it's not steaming, smoking. That's what it's called, steaming or smoking your food and all this kind of stuff. And I have a buddy who talks me into getting my next grill, and it's a flat stone thing, and it's a big, basically it's a it's an iron skillet outside instead of on your stove. But anyway, this is what it is, and. 
And now the problem is we do more than cook on meat, cook meat on it. So now she's got me like cooking rice on it, putting eggs in. I'm like, this is not what I signed up for. Give me a piece of meat. Let me throw it on. No broccoli, no cauliflower, no all this stuff. And then somebody says, you can make breakfast on it. No, cover your ears. Don't hear that. So, you know, this idea, again, of uh, just external replication and what you're doing and being alive to actually spread so some ideas of how to uh, break this down, what you say and what you do. Do those things match up? That may be a gap. I say certain things, but I really don't do it. Holy Spirit was uh, speaking to me this week through his word, and there's a couple people I was kind of on their case with on the back of my mind, and then all of a sudden, we're doing the same thing. We're just trickier at doing it. Just don't be worse. Say in what you do. Your values and your actions. Your actions should be expression of your values. How many times do those of us who have been around church world for a little while have a, a Christian friend, acquaintance, and all of a sudden they get back in the corner and their actions don't match up with the values they you thought they've hold, held for like 20 years. Their response to everything is like, I can't believe this. And you're not doing that in a judgmental way. You're just surprised by that. Their values are not reflected in their actions. They really didn't have those values. Ooh. Whenever that shows up in my life, I go, wow. I'm turning into being a little bit self-righteous here. I claim these values. They ought to show up in the way I live in my life. That's the gap where you are and where you want to be. Talked about this a little bit last week. You and I ought to be growing. Where are we going to be a year, two years, three years in the expression of our faith? And do you look back and go, wow, I really haven't uh, made any many moves in my faith in my life for years. I haven't taken a step out of faith. And, and I'm not talking about a blind step of faith. I'm talking just anyway. There's just been really no movement. There's nothing like... Happening. I'm alive on the outside, but dead on the inside. If you've said yes to Christ, you have his spirit inside, and you have him filtering, empowering, speaking to you through his word. So that's one prayer. Second one is reveal, or the first one is reveal my gaps to me. Second one is help me to close the gaps in my life goes through some ideas about closing the gaps. How do we close those gaps? Uh, we'll always have some gaps, uh, but how do we start to close them so they're, they're, not, they're not this way and that way? Not, we're not alive on the outside, but dead on the inside. Uh, we don't have these values. Uh, how do we do that in our marriages? How do we do that at work? How do we do that uh, just the way we, how do we do that the way we watch TV, uh, not watch TV, what we know? How do we interact with people in our community? You know, how do we close those gaps? We say we love people, but then it never shows up in our life. Uh, we love those who are easy to love, but those who are hard to love, that's not happening. But we say we love everybody. Well, that's not really true because there's still gaps. First, Jesus says, wake up. What kind of alarm do you need in your life? Those pilots... Traffic controllers weren't waking them up. 
he needed the autopilot to go off, which is probably a lot of what we need, the autopilot to go off. And then when all the alarms started ringing, they were awake. What kind of tragedy do you and I need, pain do you and I need to be the alarm for our life to wake up? God's not looking to do that, but God loves us and sometimes he yanks our chain to show that we're not invincible, that we don't have it all together, that we, you know, aren't uh, as alive on the outside, or we are, but it's not inside the way, the way we think. And he sends us, allows some things to wake us up. I would be rather wake up with a nice, Like, ah, you know, kind of a thing. That involves working out. In 1 Timothy, this is not in your notes, uh, 1 Timothy 4, 8, out of the message paraphrase. Workouts in the gym are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both for today and for ever. This chapter, the next chapter. Disciplines in this life of God involve spending time with him, reading, praying, all those kinds of things. And if any of you have been a Christ follower for just a little while, you know this stuff. If you've got a Blackstone drill and want to figure out how to do rice and eggs, and, you know, I've watched this video. It says, you've got four burners. You look like you've got four burners. If all four, now I feel guilty. If all four burners are set at the same temperature, I'm doing it wrong. I need to just have a little different, you know, tear my meat over here, then flip it over here, you know, all this kind of stuff. You know, I'm looking into that. I'm disciplined in that. Well, I had to put at least a little more energy into my spiritual disciplines in figuring out how that Blackstone by the way, it's on the back of my deck. If someone steals it, don't take it with you. <laughs> now watch it really will disappear. Then I will be in big trouble with my wife because it wasn't cheap. But anyway, strengthen what remains. Please don't take my drill. Um, strengthen what remains. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. Wherever the gap is in your life, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your work, whether it's your ministry, whether it's your... Go back and say, what was good, and give it some energy. Some of us say that our life has just petered out in a certain area. But the truth of the matter is you're driving a brand new car, and you just haven't put any gas in it. So don't blame the car. You need to put some energy into it. It's not going, I don't care what car it is, what kind of vehicle, if it doesn't have any fuel in it, energy in it, it's not going anywhere. So don't blame the car, blame the lack of energy. Strengthen what remains, give it energy, and it's about to die. For I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Don't sit on your laurels. Don't think you've got it all together. I don't care how old you are. Pick on my dad. I, I, it's, it brings joy to my soul when I come downstairs into his prison. I mean, into his apartment, and, and I see him sitting in a chair reading the scriptures. Ninety-one. He's read it probably way more than me. Quotes it better than me. Knows it better than me. But he's still reading it. It's his. It's his spiritual life is not finished until he breathes his last. Live like it has been. I gotta move along here. Um, remember what you have heard. As Americans, we want the new, bigger, better thing. But for some of us, all that we need to do is put the regular gas we had put in way back back into our system. 
We need you to remember, therefore, what you've received and heard and now live it out. Remember what got your attention, what motivated you, and return to that, what you received. Church, get back to the basics. All this extra stuff becomes a distraction. And then if you remember it, there needs to be a trust and repentance. Hold it fast and repent. Hold on to it, incorporate it into your life, and repent. Change your mind, which means the actions are changing. If your mind doesn't change, the actions don't change. I still am not used to where we put the silverware in our new kitchen. It's where the, where the rubbish can is. So how many times do I go looking for a fork, and I open up the, the little thing where the trash can is. And I go, oh, yeah, that's right. And I open up that one. I mean, I mean, it's been since November. Same, 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 same. You know, so it's one thing to know. It's one thing to do. It's got to get into your thinking. Into your thinking. Remember when my parents were still living in Ipswich, I would go get the glass for my drink. Another story about drinks. But and originally, I'd go get it, and it was the old place. And I couldn't get it in my brain that it's in the new place. Obey and repent, a change of mind. Passage that I refer to often, I'm not going to read through it, I challenge you to read through it, but basically the idea is that when we feel convicted, not feel guilty, but feel convicted, all that distress drives us to God if we perceive it properly. Some of us let it drive us away from God, and that's on you and me when I let it drive me away from God. So I identify the gaps, and now I'm trying to close the gaps. And I'm asking God into my life, which is going to create some distress. He's going to be upsetting the apple cart. Closing these gaps comforts the afflicted. If you're going through a rough time, you start closing these gaps. You start working on your marriage. You start working at your work. You start working in your church. You start working and da 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 You start closing that. But those of us who are comfortable and say, whoa, I don't have any glass, all this subject afflicts us. It bothers us. And we have to then kind of, at least when I don't want to make a change, I have to kind of self-meditate. I have to try to figure out something else that's going to distract me so I don't think about it anymore. For me, ice cream, man. Eat some more ice cream and I've discovered old run, reruns of Perry Mason. Is that sad? It's like black and white Perry Mason. So I'm just eating ice cream and, you know, just kind of back in the, that's like 60s. That's even before I was born. But anyway, got to let go of false securities. But if you do not wake up, I'll come like a thief in the night. And you will not know at what time I will come to you. The idea is some of us, and we saw this especially in COVID, whether you argue all that stuff, but we were all secure. It changed our world. Whether you agree or don't agree, wherever you fall, it changed our world. A lot of us never thought that would be possible. Wearing masks, not wearing masks. This, that, just no church for a few weeks, five weeks, 15 weeks. I forget what it was, I, you know. Who would have thought that? If you had said that a year in advance, we would have said, no, that's impossible. Don't live in false security. The only thing that's secure is your relationship in Jesus Christ. The rest of our world can go upside down. I, I have a friend, uh, wife, my best friend, uh, just got a new kidney yesterday. It was like on the fly. They get the call. They're at Tufts University Hospital. Surgery, bam, it's, it's receiving it, all these kinds of things. 
and I'm watching the prayer request chain go back and forth, and I just, I appreciate the heart of everybody, but there was some heart, there's message in there. Yeah, see, this is what happens when you love God and blah, 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 and follow him. And I'm like, no, it doesn't always happen like that. Some people never get the call for the kidney. That doesn't mean anything bad about them. It's just different plans. Some of us bounce back from cancer. Some of us don't. So don't, don't live in a false security, please. Enjoy what you have. Enjoy the gifts of life and coming. But don't, don't start worshiping and, and leaning into the gifts and the good things that are happening in your life more than the gift giver. You can lose those things. Remember that. That's what happened with the rich, young, uh, with the rich farmer. Uh, you know the story, many of you. You can look that up. Last prayer is this, Lord, you have promised that I will overcome. Ultimately, we all overcome if we place our trust in Christ. Yes, there's some kind of reward for being faithful. I'm hoping it's I get a Land Rover and some of you guys prefer driving in Chevys, but no, 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 just kidding. It's not that. It doesn't, it's nothing like that. That's a joke. Not really a good one, probably, but uh, you know, it's 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 there's some kind of reward for that. But if you've placed your trust in Christ, you're an overcomer because Christ is an overcomer. You're going to be resurrected. You're going to be eternity because Christ was resurrected, and you put your trust in Him. Forgiveness of sin, which separates us from God, we can't undo that ourselves. So He's promised that for us. So you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They're being faithful. They walk with me, dressed in white, pure, not perfect, pure. And again, Christ covers them, for they are worthy. The one who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. And I will never blot out their name of the person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his if you're in, you're in. You're an overcomer. Overcomer. And there's passages that talk about overcoming. We could look at some of the other churches. There's overcoming, 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 overcoming. So the question is, what are you going to do? Are you going to listen to the Spirit? And if you haven't placed trust in Christ right now and you feel convicted a little bit or I need to do something with that, that is not my eloquence as a speaker because that's not, I'm not that eloquent. I mess up words all the time. That is God speaking to you through his spirit. It's not Dave Spencer. It's not me being some trick with words. What are you going to do? Are you going to receive him, say yes to him, come into my life, be the Lord and Savior of my life, the best way I can navigate with God. Are you going to do that? And then for those of us who have said yes, are we going to be honest enough to say, Lord, help me to see the gap. Help me to close the gap. And I am so thankful that you promise that I don't have to get freaked out by that if uh, my life is shorter or longer or whatever and the gaps aren't all closed because I don't, perfect or whatever that doesn't happen in this chapter of life that's okay because i'm an overcomer so overcomers overcome and the victory is yours
faith and in the Father. The Spirit, all those ministries of the Spirit are yours for the receiving, for the accepting, and for, obviously, the listening. Like the way how John says it in another portion of Scripture. He says this, You see, every child of God overcomes the world, for our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. The person who wins out over the world's ways is simply the one who believes Jesus is the Son of God. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to say yes to. And then he joins your life. And if he joins your life, you have all those resources to actually live out the overcomer that you already are in Christ. Father, it's a scary prayer to say, wake me up, help me to see the gaps in my life. I pray for my friends, I pray for myself. I don't want to be held accountable for a message like this and, I don't know, in 50 years, <laughs> have you say, yeah, you, you were alive on the outside in that message, but it really wasn't inside, is it? Help us, help us to ask you to reveal those gaps. And then would we lean into you, lean into your word, be a part of a community of faith, smaller groups, and watch those gaps close. So we live out in advance some of the victories you have for us in advance, that we get a taste of that in the future. I pray this from the heart of Jesus. In Jesus' wonderful name.